Hello and welcome to the No Walls Podcast. I was going to let you guys know that soon we are doing a mailbag episode. So what that is, is it's like a Q&A. So you can send in anything. You can ask us to elaborate on some things. You can ask us some questions. Whatever you want to send in, send it in. But the way to send it in is you can email us at nowallsatthebrick.church or you can go to the Bricks Facebook page and message us there. Or if you want to, you can text us at 918-212-4662. We were super excited about the mailbag episode. We had a great time last time. So please send in everything that you have, and we will do a whole episode dedicated to that. All right, so uh, I have a, I think, a fun little topic today. Um, I was processing mentorship and having mentors in my life and how that's been beneficial to me. And I was thinking about, who I look up to now versus who I used to look up to. So I thought we could kind of compare and contrast like who you guys look up to now, who you guys look to for leadership, things like that, versus maybe who we did when we were uh, when we were like teenagers. So who who what do you guys got? It has changed. <laughs> uh, I used to look very outward uh, for insp- like people to look up to, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I used to look toward. I was a little bit basic as far as like the. I found some people in my lane of like say music or yeah. common interests and stuff like that. And, um, I would, Oh my gosh, they were the dude, they were there. I held them up and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and I think the gear shift that has happened is now it's people that are very, very close that I admire and want to aspire to be like, yeah. Um, yeah. Are you wanting like specifics? Be, we can. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, however you want to run with it. Uh, like as a kid, I <laughs> aspired to be identical to Steve Irwin. Oh yeah. Um, I wanted to be this like inspirational, like save the day. Per everybody always took it as like, oh, he wants to be like this, like rebellious and like run through the wilderness and stuff like that. And yeah. I'm like, I just want to save the poor animals from <laughs> like all these insane people. Yeah. Um, and then as I got older and I found out that I like music and stuff, um, I would always find like a <laughs> like a tortured artist that I would want to be like, um, yeah. or, or want to like grab hold of. And then stepping into ministry, I really, really like fell in love with, uh, a certain level of worship leaders. And, um, at the time I wanted to replicate everything that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I listened to, uh, a sermon that Carrie Job did talking about like, um, ABC gum worship leaders Mm -hmm. and what basically the gist of what she talked about was like, um, that an individual worship leader or, or whatever, not having an individual like stamp or an individual, um, relationship or how they led specifically or how God has told or called them to lead specifically. And all they're doing is just replicating. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 after that conversation, it really did shake me to the point of like, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be Stephanie Gretzinger. I'm supposed to be Trev. Or like, yeah. wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be Joel Houston. I'm supposed to be Trev. You know, like, yeah. um, but at that point, it was very much the those level of people. But it did, it did gear shift into, um, like, obviously, it gear shifted into, like, our lead pastor, the pastors here at the church, um, close relationships with friends and um, even some of my family and stuff are like, wow, you guys have handled these specific areas extremely, extremely well. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I have, like, I feel like I have, like, a little list of people that I would, like, let's say 80% of their life. I'm like, I'm, I'm there. I'm cool. Yeah. I want to replicate that. Yeah, 
man, trying to figure out who I looked up to as a kid. Because kind of a trip because like the guys I would say are my role models right now came into my life when I was 16. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> like Jared and Ryan, um, like really, like that's about when like I realized like how special they were and how much I wanted to be like them. But which is basically like that's like sophomore year of high school. So yeah. <clears throat> I've essentially looked up to the same two dudes as my heroes since like I could drive. Yeah. Um, but I guess before that it would be like, Man, I just lived so much of my life on autopilot, bro. Like, I was not, like, self-assessing anything. I was just living chaotically. I guess I would say Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I think I think I have used every single uh, come online he used in that TV series <laughs> at least six times. Like, I, I, there was, like, a whole season in middle school, bro, where I just put him on autopilot. And, like, there's legitimately a lot, like, in my preaching communication, like, if you side-by-side how I preach with a mic or communicate, there are some huge Will Smith influences in there, like, legitimately. That's cool. Um, It's kind of always been that way. So, yeah, I I have watched season one to six of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air at least 30 times. Hmm. Like, I I mean, I I can memorize, I have every show memorized. Like, I I feel about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, how people nowadays feel about The Office. Like, that's my jam. Yeah. Uh, like I'm about that life. I could hit every one of those uh, come onlines right now. Um, so yeah, I would probably say Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I think yeah. his whole demeanor, his confidence, the way he carried himself, how funny he was. Um, yeah, I pretty much wanted to be that guy to a yeah. T. And I honestly kind of modeled most of my characteristics after him. And then you know I met Ryan and Jared. I was like, oh, you are real humans. Let's yeah. let's chase y'all now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You guys actually both said something that's kind of cool because I, I I feel like I did the same thing. Like it was very outward. It was like it was like uh, celebrities and things like that. And then like then I got around some people who were like in my inner circle or became my inner circle, and I started like they became who I was looking up to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was I really looked up to Eminem, and I think it was just like the I didn't I don't know exactly why that was because like I didn't have any trauma in my life that might have been what it was it was like this dude's been through some stuff and it was cool <laughs> but um yeah it was like spaghetti. a mom's spaghetti, yeah. yeah mom's spaghetti yeah and i think what eventually happened was i had to get to a place where i could i could uh appreciate talent without necessarily like wanting to have that talent and i think that was kind of a but anyways what i fa- what i found out was is like the reason why i was looking up to people once i actually had like mentors was because like they had something that I wanted mm. in my life and before that I don't know why I was looking up to people like, I don't know why I was looking up to Eminem or like anything like that um but uh my next question is when you got like the people who you look up to now like what was it that that drove you to them like what was it that made you decide like these are the people that I'm I'm gonna follow um, in a in I, I in a weird gross way kind of thing, um, comparison honestly I think was my first step into, um, and, and I have the right to change my mind or re- reiterate this in yeah. a better way at some point. But I think some of the first times was like comparison to the point of like they have it right, I have it wrong. I want to be right, so I want to do what they're doing. Mm. Um. And it was like gross in a way because it was very defeating to like, it's like, well, 
they're further along than you are in that specific process. So, yeah. but anyway, it, it led to it led to a healthy area of like they have peace. I want peace. Yeah, they have done certain things in their life to achieve moments to be able to like implement peace as a daily rhythm or a life rhythm or in their marriage, et cetera. And I want that. And I want to figure out how to keep, get it, keep it and sustain it. Yeah. That's good. I think for me, um, they were safe. Mm. I think every time I was around Ryan or Jared, I felt like, like I was okay. Like I was acutely aware of all the things in my life I wanted to be different and be better at and grow in. But like uh they were just they were safe. Like I didn't I didn't feel like I could um like make a decision and they were going to like like uh expunge me from their life. And mm-hmm. so for me, like <clears throat> never really feeling like there's places that are safe or that there are people that are safe when you find it, man. It is it is a uh man, it is a feeling that is hard to like describe. Um, there's lots of reasons to find people in your life and mentors, but I wish I could help people who don't like, I'm I'm happy for people who didn't grow up not feeling safe. Like I'm thankful that's your story and yeah. that's amazing. And that's a testament to God's goodness. <laughs> but for those of us who didn't grow up safe, when you find safe, man, that is like, that is the most freeing feeling in the world. And there's nothing like it. And for me, that's what it was. I was like, oh, y'all are different. Like, I can't, like, I am difficult. I am acutely aware of how difficult I am, and I've still not pushed you away. And I've done a lot of things to try to push you away, and you're still here. That's crazy to me. And, like, even when you're correcting me, it's like I know you're for me, and I believe that. Like, that's such a crazy concept because I've never seen anybody be able to pull that off in my life. And I found people who are safe, and I ran to that. Like, I I clung to that with my entire life, and I still do. Like, I white-knuckle it, like, yeah. I feel very passionate about Ryan and Jared, and I will throw hands immediately if anybody <laughs> has something else to say because they made me feel safe. Yeah. And it's informed the entire way um, I want to do relationships in life and the way we build our church, the way we build our student ministry. Uh, I, I need to create space for people to feel safe. Yeah. So, yeah, safety. Yeah. I think one of mine was, uh, <laughs> like, you you guys wanted to see me win, and I could feel, like, I could really feel that. Like, it was like, like we we've had some hard conversations like we've you know we had but it's like at through all of those it was like the end goal isn't to see anything bad happen to me it you know wasn't to see and and not that like we've had like super severe or anything like that but like it's like the whole time we can have those conversations and stuff because i know that at the end of the day you want to see me win and you want to see god's best for me and Mm. having people in my life like that has been huge yeah like and i've seen the the effect on it whenever i'm i talk to my friends that don't because yeah. like what you see is like, like, like it, for me, like you guys were like instilled a lot of like hope in me, because like you're always speaking to like who I can be and not like who I am. Yeah. And you know I didn't bring a, I I don't think I brought up well, yeah. And and I've seen that in a lot of my friends that like don't have that. It's like they're just constantly in the state of not feeling like they have hope, not feeling like they actually have the ability to do what they want with their future. Mm-hmm. And for me, like you got like you guys had like a a lot to do with that. Yeah. So that the piece to the 
I'm deeply, deeply private as far as like when I finally actually believe someone is quote unquote safe. And I still, at this point, am surrounded by amazing people. And I still think that I have just a tiny handful of people that I would define in my head as safe. But one of the factors that was the gear shift in the right direction for me was them recognizing that I am, I'm lovable and valuable simply because I am here not because of like a gifting or a status or a contribution, et cetera, and stuff like that. Like me sitting in front of them was enough for me to be worthy of having a conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so recognizing that in a person that to me, that's admirable of like, wow, I want to, I want to get there to that point. I want to be that for somebody else. I want to get as, as best of my ability, get out of my own funk or, or what my process is and stuff like that to be able to get healthy enough to be able to sit on the other side of that and tell somebody else that. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we talked about that and we might talk about that in another podcast, so I might be rehashing this. And, um, but we talked about how hope doesn't only like move to you, but it moves through you. I kind of have a question. Yeah. Um, what happens when you can't live up to the people that you're trying to live up to and you find out that like, like you're trying to like step by step. I've heard you talk about a lot of the time of like kind of like the Elijah and Elijah kind of conversation of like, like I want to replicate you. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to follow you so close that I'm like, I'm going to smell like you that kind of um, like, do you think that, that we find ourselves in moments to where we're trying our best to live up to someone and we get lost trying to be them instead of like be like them does that make yeah. sense oh yeah help absolutely. me help me iterate that <laughs> no because i think you can i think you can want to be someone instead of being like them it's a different thing like um <clears throat> like no two people are the same so if my goal is to just be you i will never achieve it like however great or not great that perceived person is like whether or not they're leading thousands or tens, like it doesn't matter how hard I try, I'll never be you. Like I just can't. I cannot replicate you. I don't have your stories, your experiences. What I can do, however, is catch your heart. Because <coughs> I think that's what I think that's what healthy mentorship is. Because I'm really just trying to instill my heart into you, or as the mentee, I'm trying to get your heart like into me. And so for me, like I'm never gonna be able to be Jared. He's got so many things that are just different than me like we're not built the same with the same experience you know the same temperaments like there's a lot of things about us that are different so if my goal is to just be jared i'm gonna fall short all day every day mm. however if my goal is to catch his heart <clears throat> the way he loves people and the way he cares about people the way he cares about me and my desire to want to be that for other people uh the way he sees god the way that uh he leads his family the way he loves his kids. Like I may not run his exact plays, but I can catch his heart. Kind of think that's what you would argue Elijah and Elijah did anyways. It was never like he wasn't plug and playing every miracle that he did. He caught his heart. He caught who he was and carried that with him. And I think that should be the goal. The goal is to be able to catch the heart of the person you're following because you'll never be them and you're not supposed to be them. So in fact, you don't want to be them because then you're short circuiting your own call. Uh, it's just difficult because it can get murky. <laughs> and I think that's the process, you know I mean? That's like, it's uh, <laughs> like I'm, uh, as, a, as a communicator, if you heard the sermons I preached, uh, 
10 years ago, they sound very different than they do today sure. because I'm trying to find my voice. Sure. And there's just a journey in that. And I think when you're being led by people, you're trying to essentially grab like the pieces of who they are and you try to fit them to you. Can you try to figure out what can stick, what fits, what needs molding, what needs change? Like, uh, like to take it to the Bible, like when David goes to fight Goliath, they try to throw Saul's armor on him. It's like, bro, this don't work. <laughs> Cause it wasn't made for me. Cause it's the same call. Like Saul should have taken David Goliath out. So David picks up the call. I'm going to go take Goliath, but I can't, I can't do it like you. Mm. I got to do it like me. Like I got to yeah. do it the way I'm built. Cause I think a great mentor is always helping you be more of who you're called to be, not trying to be me. Instilling mm. my heart in you doesn't mean making you me. And I think that's where the dynamic usually gets wrong because we try to just make little mini versions of ourselves and that's short-circuiting who that individual is. Mm -hmm. The question needs to be, who's God called you to be and how do I breathe life into that? And that may look like you having some of the same habits and that's going to mean picking up some of the same mannerisms. Like when I put you and your mom in the same room, I can tell you're her son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's nothing you can do that's going to change that. Mm -hmm. That just is what it is. There is some natural things that take place when you do life so closely to each other, but there's still very clear distinctions. Sure. Yeah. It's very clear you're Trevor, not your mom. And so it's like, oh, okay, that's how that works. In the same way, if you put me and Jared in the same room, if we communicate to a group of people, we might communicate similarly, but there will be some very clear distinctions between the differences. And that's because Jared's never tried to make me him. Sure. Yeah. He's always tried to make me more me. Sure. Uh, and I think that's the goal. So if you're the mentor, you're trying to bring the gold that's inside of someone up, not replace it with what you want. Sure. And then as the mentee, your job is to try to catch the heart, try to catch who they are, yeah. uh, how they ask questions, the way they see the world, the way they love the people that care about them, not necessarily how they do it. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the how will fit. I don't want to I don't want to discredit that though also like yeah. Sometimes you should just run their play. It works. Sure. You know what I'm saying like 2 plus 2 equals 4 and sometimes that does play out, but it's just not it's not realistic to think that everything you do is going to be a plug and fit for me. Yeah. And if that's yeah. my expectation, then I'll never keep a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really helpful and insightful because I think I was just sitting here thinking I think we're in a culture uh, I, I guess I'm going to say worldwide, but at least in the United States, that we are simultaneously trying to replicate everything while also promoting individuality. Oh, that's a trick. So, yeah. like, and I, I was thinking of the music industry. Like, mm -hmm. you're constantly be like, who's going to be the next Justin Bieber? Who's going to be the next Adele or whatever yeah. like that? And they're, they're not. I love the announcer voice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> And but like simultaneously flip that script, like yeah. use like TikTok for an example. There you're trying to be individual, but you're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And it's over and over and over. And you're promoting like I am just me living my truth. That's that's a quick way to trigger me is living my truth, that kind of concept or whatever. But anyway, I, I think it's so important to know how to like be an individual, but try to like, I don't know, get close to somebody and like you said, like like when the play is to run what they did because it works or when the play is to like be like them, learn from them, et cetera, find the mentor, but still be you. Anyway, yeah. I think it's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I think the question you got to ask yourself <coughs> is, do I need the play to work? Because <coughs> that changes everything. Sure. Priority. So like I'm trying to catch your heart because one thing, but if I need your play to work, then I'm never going to be able to actually assess if that play works. <coughs> And so, like, one of the reasons being in an environment where, like, we want you to be you 
is so important is because like you don't feel the added pressure to make sure this play works for you. Sure. It's just a play. Sure. Yeah. It's just one thing you can or cannot add to your playbook if you'd like. And what I find difficult is how do you assess whether or not this play works for me or not? Like or or uh this uh this habit works for me or not. Like how do I assess if that one's for me or if it's not for me? And I think the way you assess that is like your your intent going in. Like so there have been times where it's like I felt like I needed that to fit me. Mm-hmm. And when it didn't fit me, it was clear, but like I couldn't see that it was clear because I needed it to be true. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I've done so many things while communicating that did not fit me that I thought had to fit me. Yep. Yep. And so because I thought it had to fit me, I couldn't adapt. Like I couldn't adjust. It had to be true. Thus, I'm. I, it's like this very clear piece of armor that is just yeah. like not hinged right. But like everyone can see it but me, but like I know it has to be there. So it's got to be the one. Like I can't, yeah. it's got to be what it is. And I think what we do with relationships in general is we, we need things to be true than uh, like honest about whether or not they are or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true with a lot of things in life. Like when you come in needing something to be true, you have already short circuited your ability to figure out if it is or is yep. not true. Yep. And so like when it comes to relationships like that, like I want your heart, but I don't need your life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need to be you. Yeah. Um, and as long as that's true, then I can catch it. I don't need your play to work. I can try it, but the only way you're going to figure out if the play works or not is being able to honest with yourself. Like, Oh, that one, that one didn't fit me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah saying, come on at the end of every sentence while preaching. <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's six of us in the building. We get we're here. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a conversation not too long ago uh, when we we went and listened to a friend of ours uh, speak at a seminar in um, Tulsa. Yeah. And we hashtag a, shout out Joshua. Uh, yeah, hashtag love him. Uh, we had a conversation, kind of similar topic to this, and it was, um, and I think I'm paraphrasing because it was a lot of content. Uh, we talked about like in the midst of following somebody like in that in using Elijah and Elijah for an example um it was in the following that I found an individuality it was in the walking the same way that that my mentor walks that I found those moments like you said it was like I can try to be Jared but I can also try to be like him in certain areas that benefit like what my specific lane is or whatever I don't know if I'm like saying that correctly but I think um, so it's it's like Elijah. There's a there's a season where like for Elisha, Elijah's voice sounds like God. Yeah, like it is God. So it's like because God's speaking through him. Like at some point, you follow him long enough, the distinction starts to be able to be seen. Sure. And I think the danger in mentorship, menteeship, and I think one of the reasons why people get so um, like scarred by unhealthy relationships is the mentor wants to be God. Yeah. Oh, my god! They want to be that voice because it's intoxicating. Yeah. Like, it just is. It, it feels amazing to be the person that has all the answers. Right. It feels fantastic to be able to tell somebody all the things in their life they need to do. And the problem is, is you're not God. Right. And you aren't all seeing. And you right. don't know all things. You're going to get it wrong. Right. And if you haven't created for this, the, the person you're leading to understand we all have an agreed assumption, I'm not Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's going to collapse. And it's one of the reasons why, as as kids, like if you grew up and your dad was Superman, 
Well, the first time you saw a chink in his armor, bro, like that shook you. Yeah. Like it, it changed everything for you. The whole narrative you had of life changed forever yeah. because you were built to believe that he could do no wrong. Right. And that first crack in the armor shakes you. I think mentor mentee relationships are like that. It's like we get so comfortable in being that voice for people, we stop teaching them to actually listen for their own. Yep. And that's why that's huge because you can't get away from it. Like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Like there is a natural aspect to like the first steps of learning anything are just doing what people tell you to do. Yeah. It's just you're learning the rules. Like you don't get to create a playbook when you're a like sixth grader learning to play football for the first time. Yeah. That's not your role. Your role is just to learn what the rules are. Don't jump off sides. Right. And the older you get and the longer you do this thing, the more you become familiar with the rules, you start to be able to build on your own. And that's the way mentor and mentee relationships work. There is a season where you just do what they say. like You just follow with it. But if the mentor doesn't always have in his mind or in her mind the belief that she is going to lead you to always be asking, what are you called to do? Yeah. What's God saying to you? Who are you? If my constant thought isn't trying to rise to the surface what's deep down inside of you, then ultimately I'm going to create a clone. That clone's going to fail. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, something that you do really well is, um, like, you set expectations, <laughs> but I don't feel like the expectations that you set are crushing me. And I think part of that is because I know that even if I don't meet the expectation, because the expectation has to be, set so that I have something to do like it like the a goal has to be there for me to run to it um but you also balance that out where it's like I know that even if I don't meet the expectation like I'm it doesn't mean that I'm not loved mm. and uh, I guess my question is like how do you how do you go about setting expectations and like also letting someone feel that like like and then on the other other side like if I don't meet an expectation six times whenever it's clear that I should have met it like how do you address that <coughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Educate, help, <laughs> help. <laughs> That's a great question. <coughs> so I've I, I have a deeply held belief, and um, like I said, like it's just my belief. I can't. I don't know that I can scientifically prove this to you. Yeah. I think intent always wins out. Can <coughs> my whole life has taught me that? And maybe that's too subjective for you if you're listening. If so, I apologize, kind of. Um, <laughs> but I believe it's true. I think your intent wins out. I think if you genuinely have my good at heart, I will discover that. Yeah. I think it comes out in the way you do things. In the same way, like if you're mad at somebody, like you think you're hiding it, but we know. Right. Yeah. Then we all know. You Thanksgiving tells on us all. <laughs> and so it's like, <clears throat> so for me, I think the, the thing is, like, do you genuinely want to see the person win? If you don't, then, like, you might as well just tap. Like, yeah. don't lead that person. Like, I remember being, I remember being, like, 16 years old. I was at church camp, and PR was a student pastor, and we did this breakout. And it was, like, because uh, a breakout for everyone who felt called to be in ministry, right? And in a Pentecostal background, everyone feels called yeah. to be in ministry. <laughs> it just is the natural play out. Like, yeah. you aren't doing anything right if you're not on stage somewhere. <laughs> and so, obviously, this group of people was, like, there was like probably 200 kids at the camp, and I don't know, there was like 40 kids there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first thing he says is, if you don't love people, you don't need to be in this circle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I love y'all, but just so you know, like people are difficult. If you don't genuinely love people, this is not the circle for you. You gave people an opportunity to leave, and it thinned out. Yeah. And he did it like two or three times as the conversation went on, just give you another tear, another tear, another tear. It's like, just ultimately, they're like, if you are called to lead people, 
but you don't have people's best interests at heart, this is just not the yeah. thing for you. Yeah. <clears throat> there are so many other things you could do with your life right. that don't require this, but to do this well, you have got to love people. <clears throat> and I just remember then how deeply held that was for me. Kind of had to learn how to balance that out. But for me, it starts with just do you genuinely want to see the person you're leading win? <clears throat> if you do, then the expectations you're going to set for them are going to be done in a way that has their best at heart. Yeah. And the way you communicate that we talk to them, it's all going to be true. Like it's yeah. going to come out of who you are. So how do you set expectations and also like help people feel like they can win? Well, it's like you got to start with actually caring about them. Yeah. Because they'll feel that. And also like the culture you set's a big deal. Like I'm looking to see that you are learning and growing, not that you are perfect. So if my perception right. of you is that you have to hit a home run every time, then we're not we're not doing this, and that wouldn't be loving yeah. you well anyways. Which we go back to that initial thing. It's like you want to see him win, right? So I think the the base level is simply when I'm setting expectations for you. The question I'm asking is what gives you the best like lane to be the best version of yourself. Mm. That's essentially the filter I'm running. It's like when we sit down and set goals, I'm trying to figure out like is this stretching you to develop? Yeah. And if the goal is too low. And it's like, well, yeah, he can do that. He didn't have to try. Yeah. Well, then, no, we're not doing that. Right. Like, the last set of goals we set, like, no, like, we 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 set some big goals. Yeah. Like, you're going to be preaching in January. Yeah. Never preached before. That's a big goal. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but we set it. Why? Because I believe in you, but also I know that the, you're going to stretch and grow towards that. Yeah. But if I'd have been like, hey, man, I just want to see you do some more 180s to communicate on stage. Well, that's not stretching for you. You can do that now. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So it's just trying to figure out. And if you care about someone, you'll take time to learn them. Yeah. And that's the part of mentorship mm, is good. learning the person you're called to lead. It's people are too complicated. You can't have a one size fits all approach. Yeah. So like, if I care about you, I will learn you. And yeah. learning you means learning what it takes to make you tick. Like yeah. Trevor said, we've been processing how to do a better job as an eight to communicate to a one, as a one to communicate to an eight. We're learning. Yeah. But I care enough about Trevor to want to know that. Like my love for him wins out over my desire to make communication fit what's easiest for me. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find that middle ground to best versions of ourselves can come to the surface. Leading people is the same way. It's trying to figure out like what makes you tick, which is why I love it. Yeah. Like the reason I love leading people is I love figuring out the nuance. Like what makes you you? That thing that ticks just a little bit different inside you like that is captivating to me, like so unbelievably fascinating. And I want to know more about it. And I want to figure out how to let that thing run. Yeah. The backside of that, how do you have the conversation that met the expectations is for me, why, why they, why they not hit it? Mm. I mean, that's that, that, I mean, it, everything shifts from there. Yeah. Like, did you not hit it because I didn't prepare you well enough? Well, obviously I got grace for that. That's on me. Yeah. Did you not hit it because you were lazy and you didn't try? Why? Why? Like, right. Why did I not, like, did I communicate enough vision for you to understand the why behind that? Like, for me, it kind of comes back to, like, that one's hard to answer because the reason you didn't hit the goal would dictate so many different things about what we would do next. Does that yeah, make sense? it does make sense. So, again, I'm looking for patterns. Is yeah. that your first goal you've missed or the, the fourth goal you've missed? Right. And is it the same goal? Yeah. Like, so we've now set this goal three times. You've missed it all three times. Either I am putting this way too far ahead of you or you are not. Yeah. endeavoring to grow and so that would shift a lot so yeah. again i'm looking for patterns yeah <clears throat> yeah i hope sense. i no you answered that perfectly i think uh feedback culture helps with that too oh, yeah. like a lot because 
I feel like we don't have to have as many of the big conversations like you miss this because every time I step on the stage, it's like, well, we, we can incrementally get better because you can do this better and this better. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think feedback culture is, a, is big in playing into that too. Yeah, I remember sitting in a one-on-one with Jared one time and it was my one-on-one. But like in the one-on-one, one of the questions he asked is like, what are some areas you think that you could you, you can see that I need to get better at? How many pastors have you ever heard ask that question? Yeah. Or how many leaders? Like, have you ever had a boss that sat down with you at your yearly review and asked you, hey, how can I get better at leading you? That, it's like mind-blowing to me. And that's the DNA of who we are. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the question is, how do we get better at loving people well? Yeah. And that means from the absolute top all the way to the very bottom, we should also be asking the same question. Yeah. How do we grow? How do we get better? How do we become healthier? How do we become the best version of ourselves? If we're all asking that question, it, it, it works itself out. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think that's so helpful, too. Like, for my brain, I try to, like, always have in my mind, I call them filters, mm-hmm. um, which is not, like, I, it's a common thing to do. But, like, you're talking about, like, feedback sessions and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, like, it helps me so much to be able to hold on to something and be, like, I can run this thought this belief whatever through these filters and it helps me get the purest solution at the end to be able to like okay now it's easier for me to like do whatever blah blah blah. you're talking about like um like in like when you're uh working with people or whatever like that like you're mentoring them etc stuff like that and you're giving feedback or setting expectations um etc that you're able to like distinguish the level of like what filters do I need to put on right now? What do I need to chew on and, and distinguish? What is the real, like, is this a one fluke thing or is this like set, like you said, like seven yeah. things in a row or whatever like that. Anyway, that's super helpful for me to like, that's I good. usually write them down like this, run this filter and it will be able to give you a better answer than just, you know, run with your own emotions or whatever. Yeah. Uh, feedback is huge for me because people can't quietly think you suck. And so, like, <laughs> so every time I stepped onto the stage, or, like, it's when I first started playing drums, I was, like, my worst fear was that I was doing so bad and no one was telling me. And then, like, we start, you know, we start getting some feedback where we had another drummer here and he would always be like, yeah, man, if you do this, this, and, th- like, you d- you mess this, this, and this up, and that kind of stung because it was like, man, I was hoping no one else would notice that, but, of course, everyone else noticed that. I'm hitting the loudest instrument on the stage. Um, and he's like, but you mess this and this up, but here's how we can fix it. And that was so freeing for me though, because then at least everyone knows I messed it up and like, and they had to tell me I messed it up. It wasn't like I'm stepping off the stage and they think that I think that I killed it, but really everyone else knows that I, you know, I, I didn't. And so yeah, feedback's like, I, 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 for my personality, <laughs> being in a feedback culture is like the best thing because I, I love that everyone has to know that I suck, including me. Cause interesting. Cause like as an eight, uh, giving feedback is kind of like that just fits the natural layout for me mm-hmm. but like for like a nine it's hard like I don't actually want to tell you you might be bad at something because peace is my most important yeah. like aspect Kind <clears throat> I think like it's just so important to understand like it's not kind to not help you be who God called you to Absolutely. be yes yeah like that's not a win. Yeah. And I, I think like when it comes to leading people sometimes, like we'll try to <clears throat> we'll try to make excuses for why something didn't work. But like the kindest thing I can do for you is to help you be honest about who you are and create a safe enough space that you can grow into who you've been called to be. Yeah. And those two things play great together. We act like they're separate, but they're not. You can do both. 
I can be safe and love you immensely and at the same time not allow you to lie to yourself Mm -hmm. and not see that there's room to grow because I've got it. And that's the reason why, like, it's important as a mentor to be honest and not be Superman. Yeah. If you present yourself as having all of your stuff together, then you are so much harder to take feedback from (laughs) because it feels like Jesus is throwing a shot at me. Yeah. Well, because you're perfect. You don't know what this is like. But when I can see that you're real too, it's easier for me. Like when Jared's like, hey, how can I get better? You know how much easier that makes taking feedback? Yeah. So much easier. Yeah. Because now I know I can give it back. Right. One of the reasons why we do like our sermon run through feedbacks and our stage communication feedbacks and we invite anybody that wants to come to it is so that they can see it. Yeah. Like your pastors are trying to get better too. So if we ever have a moment, we're going to have a conversation with you on how to help you see the best version of yourself. Well, you can do the same for us. Yeah. Like we're not above believing we can still grow. And I think that song and dance is beautiful. You create spaces where people are safe, but at the same time, real love doesn't allow you to suck. Yeah. Like it has the difficult conversation that to happen, believing the best in you so that the best in you can show up. Yep. Yeah. I good. love that. I think in leadership you have a responsibility to like know how to give um effective feedback to your people too Mm -hmm. that's been that's been something i've uh, since i've stepped into a leadership leadership position is i have a very diverse group of people in you know we're all music people so we're all like we're all feelers or thinkers or (laughs) we're just this melting pot and i have one person on my team that for a long time the imperfections in her way of leading a song was a crippling thing that was a cap and she she saw that and and any kind of she was critiquing herself so badly all the time that she was capping her ability and getting her to flip the script of like yes it exists yes the imperfection exists but but like the feedback is not like a like a damning thing it's 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 a it's a thing to like we're going to identify it we're going to call it we're going to get better we're going to work with it we're going to you know blah 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 and we're going to work forward and you know on this side of it after years of investment and her processing and stuff like that too she's able to stand and so like not get crippled by the moments of imperfection to be able to like lose sight of the entire song or organism or worship set etc and stuff like that and be able to push forward and um, is, is you know one of the strongest people on the team as far as like her specific lane what she brings to the table and I found out that like giving her specific feedback is polar opposite of how I need to give you know so and so the other person on the feedback because like I can be intuitive with her and give her like all this feeler conversation of like I need you to fill this here and do this here and tweak this here and then go to my drummer and I have to put it all in math like mathematics and black and white you know numbers and stuff like that and um, anyway I think it's a responsibility that you and it takes so much time and investment I don't think it's something that you can just like walk into a room and know how to do at at full efficiency but um, but yeah yep yeah well I think it's a good place to wrap this thing up let's do it uh, love you guys love you love you